The following program contains mature subject matter. Viewer discretion is advised. Losing her arm changed the medical world forever. You're going to see the future in action for the very first time on national television. The groundbreaking device that gives new hope to millions. What'd you feel? Then this soprano star tells all about the illness she's kept secret for 15 years. And Leo's on a mission and he's not pulling any punches. Half the people in office still don't believe in climate change. Why do you think there is such opposition about the science? Plus, an Austin Powers star breaks his silence about a near-death experience. That's today. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Joining us today is OBGYN Dr. Nita Landry. Welcome to the show, Dr. Landry. Glad to be here. Okay, so we're going to start this off, and I'm curious both of your opinions because it does touch upon both of your professions. A plastic surgery trend that's on the rise among teen girls, it's not what you're thinking. It's actually vaginal rejuvenation surgery. It's gone up 80%. 80% from 2014 to 2015. Now, teens? So, teens? Imagine well, rejuvenation teens. as a teenager? I suppose it makes sense, though, because if you have a problem, something that bothers you at that age, you may start thinking about making changes. Yeah, changes, but they're not adults. They're teenagers. Well, I... I know, and I, I thank you, let, let's, Dr. Landry. Let's, let's thank back you. up. So when, when we're talking uh -huh. about female uh, rejuvenation, uh -huh. it may be yeah. just external changes, labia majora, labia minora, uh, reducing those, enlarging them, making them more aesthetically or cosmetically attractive. And then the second part is, is tightening procedures that is really more for older women uh -huh. after childbirth, et cetera. But do you sometimes think you get so focused on the art of plastic surgery that you, you can't step back? I'm not saying you personally, but Dr. Landry and I are he's sitting here thinking, you've got a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old yes, no. in there. Right. I mean, I'm, and, and they... I'm all for beautification. But and in, with teenagers, there are certain medical situations where it's appropriate, like if they're having irritation or pain with physical activity, if they can't keep the hygiene up with their menstrual periods because the, the labia are so big, then that's one thing. But for cosmetics, like, no, like, your public service announcement, your labia is beautiful. They come in all shapes and sizes. You're, they're you're, fine. You're right. You're right. And you're too young to really make a... A, a honest, informed right. consent. Yeah, how do you, but my that. question is this, twofold. Number one, what, is it the mom coming in with them and saying, hey, let's make it more beautiful? And number two, are teenagers flipping through catalogs yes. saying, oh, that one's yes. beautiful, I want mine yes. to look like that? Exactly. I'm just, really? Yes, people Photoshop their labia so they have unrealistic expectations of what they look like and in some instances parents don't understand that there are variations in the anatomy so they're like oh her labia doesn't look like my labia so there must be something yeah, wrong it's almost labial peer pressure right I yeah look, i want i want to look like everybody else and part of it, the, yeah. the grooming is so different that that we're shaving we may not have any hair at all things are are more prominent other thing is another condition you touched on that there may be indications where things have changed, actually causing friction. If somebody was significantly heavier, mm -hmm. like yeah. grossly obese and then lost weight, that you may be left with, with loose extra skin there. But I think those are the exceptions for right. somebody that young. I mean, there are indications for doing breast reduction at a young age. Certain plastic surgery procedures lend themselves doing it on teenagers. 
I don't think this now, is Now, really I'm curious, is there a, a risk beyond, obviously, it seems premature, Absolutely. but labia has a lot of nerve endings, yep. and you go cutting around there or plumping or whatever it may be, does that not come with risks? Absolutely, and you bring up a good point. You consider it to be a, a pretty simple procedure, but there are risks, bleeding, infection, scarring, chronic pain in the area, pain with sex. And of course, they might not like how it looks after it's done. So you always have that risk. Yeah, All right. but, but so. it is a pretty straightforward operation. And I would say that in terms of patient satisfaction, it is one of the, the highest. But I think any parent would be ill-served to go recommending to their kids that they do that before the age where they have the ability to make that decision and, and uh, on the run. We're going to start a movement, and we're going to pass it on to our daughters and nieces and all that good stuff. So this first topic really has to do with parents giving permission to their kids to get something done. But what about an 18-year-old girl who is allegedly suing her parents because she says they, they posted hundreds and hundreds of embarrassing and intimate photos of her from over the years on Facebook that she doesn't want to have posted. These are from her youth. They're sitting on the toilet, lying naked on the bed. Back when she was young, a baby and a toddler, but she claims she asked them to take them down for years, but they haven't been taken down, so she is suing them. The average parent posts a 1,000 pictures of their child before they turn five. Is it possible, as someone who doesn't have Facebook, um, that maybe, just maybe, certain things should be kept in the family, in your own journal at home, as opposed to, are we in a day and age where we're posting too much? Because Well, I, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, we and it's affecting every facet of our lives. I mean, some people live to... To post something. I think her parents should take the pictures down if it's really that bothersome to her. However, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't think a future employer is going to say, I really think she's qualified, but you know, I was on the internet and saw this picture of her potty training and I just can't do it. It's probably going to be... Look like, at you! Oh, <laughs> Mom, I'm Are, you okay? Are yeah. you okay with us showing this? I am okay. It's, you know, we didn't have a I pool. I would that. just walk around in my swimsuit at home, like, just because. But it's, that it's is fine. A, look at you posing it's, there. Uh -huh. yeah. Nice. Took me all it's day like to do my makeup. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. I think... Oh, oh there you no, look. Nice. There's the poser. That's nice. That's there is nice. nothing nice about that. Let's just nice. let's shut this down. I mean, that's so cool. Let's shut this I, down. I, 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 that, shut it down. It's great. They just keep coming. Shut it down. Shut it down. I mean, you can tell that that he's a little embarrassed by those, but it's. We all were there. There I was. We've all been there. We've all had tough times. We've, we've all... Oh, yeah, baby. We've all... Born to raise hell. <laughs> what, happened, what happened to that six-pack? It, it must be sleeping in there somewhere. Drew always talks about we've all been there. Those awkward teenage years. We've and he's on his moat. He, he never went through an awkward stage. Yeah, Look at him on the motorcycle. He yes, was a stud from day one. So that's what's up to us regularly. Yeah. But I get, 
I will say before we close off this topic, I get why kids as they become adults could say, you know, mom, dad, I am applying for a job. And we know most employers nowadays will look online, just want to make sure nothing yeah. too crazy is out there. And maybe, just maybe, they don't want a picture from back when big hair was big fun or something yeah. along these lines. And they say, mom, take it down. And I think a parent should do that. And if they don't, you know, this, this girl's 18. And if right. her parents won't take it down, if she has to sue to get them to take it down, I think that's... I you know, know I, she, she, I'm not saying it's the right thing yeah. to do, but if they won't take it down, yeah. if you ask your parents to do something nicely like that and they don't do it, I think I would sue. I think you're so right. There's something else going on. There. Yeah. There's something else going on, but it's probably, when it comes to employers, it's probably going to be that picture that the friend posted in the club that got like 750 likes of... Unless your mom and dad are the ones posting those pictures, you never know. <laughs> That's true. You never know. That's true. Well, let's... Let's talk about something completely different because Jamie Lynn Sigler has been on our TV screens for many years, but it wasn't until much more recently that she let us in on her health secret. We watched her grow up on The Sopranos. By age 20, Jamie Lynn Sigler was a rising star, but behind the scenes, she hid a devastating illness, multiple sclerosis. For 15 years, she kept her secret, until earlier this year when this wife and mother finally broke her silence. Since going public, Jamie has become a voice for MS. And today she's here to share details, never revealed before, of her family career and her daunting battle with this disease. Please welcome actress and advocate Jamie Lynn Sigler to the show. And thank you so much for being with us. I just want to ask you this because you obviously did a great job of keeping your diagnosis secret for 15 years. I'm curious, what, what changed, and now you're being so open about it, which I think is so, so wonderful, what changed? You know, it was sort of another job that I had keeping this secret, and people judging me and, and limiting me without me explaining what my limits were. But also, too, being a mother, and, you know, my son is only three years old, and he has some awareness, but... Thinking about him in the future and asking him to keep this secret for me, what kind of example would I be giving to him? You know, I want him to t teach him compassion and that no matter what your circumstances, you deserve a very full life. And I just wanted to be that example that, for so him. So that was sort of the breakthrough moment. Yeah. The family. Yeah. And your, then, your son, your husband. Absolutely. And so I had a wonderful support system that I was able to come out about this. But... What I didn't anticipate was the level of responsibility I'd now feel as a representative of the MS community. And it's, it's given me a platform to be a real advocate for you know, people that suffer in silence a lot and, of the and time. And I'm, I'm really happy you're here because a lot of people hear the word MS and they don't understand how differently it can strike and, and the different symptomatology. And is it true that you developed, in a way, a new community. Is that fair to say? Uh, this is my new job. This is my new role. I mean, I, I'm so proud and, and happy. And, and look, I'm human. I have MS. I deal with it. It's hard. But I've teamed up with Biogen to do this Reimagine Myself campaign, where it's really just reimagining yourself with relapsing MS or any autoimmune disease or chronic disease well. you may have, because you have to alter things, but it doesn't mean that your life has to stop. This is awesome what you're doing. What were your biggest personal challenges? Initially, I went symptom-free for quite some time, and then um, I went through a divorce, and that can be very stressful. 
obviously, and um, things started to manifest. And when I was initially diagnosed, I was not good about treatment. Over a couple of years, just things start to manifest. Um, for women, we have a lot of problem with bladder control. Um, my right side is significantly weaker than my left. I haven't been able to run in 10 years. I plan to and have been and will continue to be very candid about these things because it affects a lot of areas in your life. And I've been doing blog posts that are going to come out where it's, you know, I talk about getting diagnosed, working with it, motherhood, marriage, sex. I mean, these are things that are all Which is, talking about how MS it. impacts your sex life, that's a really yeah. noble thing because it's hard enough to talk about, hey, I, I have multiple sclerosis, but then this is affecting my intimacy. Well, you know, it, it can be very isolating when you have any kind of disease, and especially a chronic one. You feel like people don't understand, and you, you can feel like people just won't get it, so you, you don't talk about it. Right. And I just want to open up a conversation Believe it or not, another major reason why I came out about it, and it took me 15 years, was to really just accept mm. that I have relapsing multiple sclerosis. It's a very hard pill to swallow, but it's not a death sentence. And it just took me a while to be able to confidently talk about it. And I think if it was in the beginning, I would have been way too emotional and uneducated. And so I feel like I'm in a better place now to talk about it. And, and I want to explain to our viewers watching, MS is such an individual yeah. experience. When you talk, start talking about relapsing MS, you can go through periods where you feel relatively good mm -hmm. and then others where a, a lot of things can happen and it, it's a central nervous system illness and depending upon what areas are affected, your symptoms can change, they can evolve and, and you know that's why I think sometimes MS is so misunderstood because people will see someone like Jamie and think, well she's sitting up there, she looks fine. And I think that's the hardest part. What we try to do on our show is educate people because you talk, even you probably went through periods when you were in your 20s where you felt a little bit better and you tried to deny, oh. right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm fine now Almost and that's just not 20s. the way it is. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's like a fingerprint. You know, it's really different for everyone. There's some common symptoms, of course, but it really does affect everyone differently. And for me, you know, I deal with a lot of like tightness and spasticity. If I go from sitting to standing, it takes me a minute to sort of get my bearings. And it could be annoying. And look, I'm human. I have my moments where I'll have to call a friend or my husband or someone in the middle of the night because fear is just taking over. Mm -hmm. And that's part of this. But a big part that I've learned that I want to really express to those out there you know, living with this disease is that you need to find your support system, whether it's a therapist, a friend, a spouse. I kept it inside for so long, and um, I regret that. And so to, ha to be able to just have an open dialogue is really important. Well, your, your story is going to empower a lot of people, and you're a lovely individual. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing this with us. And you can catch Jamie Lynn in Loserville. It's coming out this weekend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. More to Coming up. It's nothing, it's just a little scratch, no big deal. How a small bite triggered a near-death 911 emergency. Dr. Seth said, I'm sorry I couldn't save your arm, and I told him to save my life. That's coming up. Here's what's breaking in today's news in two. Leo's on a mission and he's not pulling any punches. Plus, an Austin Powers star breaks his silence about a near-death experience. Coming tomorrow. Bill Ingvall is back. And this time, he's trying to tackle one of his biggest fears. And that's my cue. Hephobia <laughs> expert Gary Cox cured him. Ow! 
Then she went from modeling to miserable. I would drown myself in food. Will a wake-up call from this inspirational veteran. You have everything and you're choosing not to use it. Leave her with no more excuses. Do you really want to do this? Plus the spray that could spice up your sex life in minutes. Then on Friday, TV's most memorable mom is here and she's dishing out advice. You do not need injections to have a good looking butt. Then in a doctor's exclusive, how this team turned the tables on a possible death sentence. Plus, viral health videos you have to see to believe. That's Friday. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. The following program contains graphic images that may be disturbing. Parents are advised that these images may not be suitable for young children. Our next guest, Melissa, started her day just like any other. But what transpired changed her life forever. It was like every other morning, the dogs wake me up to go outside. And then I heard this horrible screeching noise, and there's a raccoon on the fence. I ran over there, shooing the raccoon. Then my dog, Vivi, grabbed it by the tail, and I went to grab the two dogs by their collars. I was trying to protect the raccoon, and the raccoon latched onto my arm. I knew he bit me, and I could just feel electricity shooting up my arm. And I went to the hospital, they gave me rabies shots, and a tetanus shot, and an antibiotic, and sent me on my way. It's nothing, it's just a little scratch, no big deal. A week later, I could just tell something's really not right. It hurt so bad. Burning hot, beet red. I couldn't move my fingers. By the time I saw Melissa, she had been on two or three rounds of different oral antibiotics and 24 hours of IV antibiotics. When you looked at her arm, it just looked like a regular small little bite. When I made the first incision, all this bacteria came pouring out. It was a hundred times worse than I thought it was. I ended up opening the entire bottom and top of her arm because everywhere I went, you kept seeing more and more bacteria. This was absolutely the worst infection I've seen in my entire career. I did about nine surgeries repeatedly, trying to get rid of all the bacteria, trying to get rid of dead muscle. Every day, you're gonna have another surgery. We'll get it this time. I remember telling the family, I promise I can save this arm. By the seventh or eighth surgery, I was just a mess. Uh. I would just lay there and think, I'm gonna die. On day 11, she started to get septic. Her heart rate went to 140. Her temperature was over 103. Dr. Seth said, this is it. I'm sorry, I couldn't save your arm. And I told him, save my life. Within 24 hours, she rebounded. While Melissa was recovering, I was asked to go to a conference in Seattle. While I was at the conference, I stumbled upon a lecture that was talking about a cutting-edge surgery that can be done on amputees, so individuals can use their brain to simply think motions and the prosthetic will follow it. But it's one more surgery and it, you know, it could, you could have feeling again. I said, I can, I can do this. I promise you, Melissa, I will make you the most advanced amputee this world has ever had. Please welcome Melissa and orthopedic hand surgeon, Dr. A.J. Seth, to the show. And first of all, just so very happy that you're here with us today alive because I'm sure everyone out there watching is thinking to themselves just like yourself, from a bite, 
from a raccoon bite, all that happened. Yeah, it's surreal. I could have won in the lottery with the odds of such a thing happening. Well, and we, we know how severe animal bites can be, but Dr. Seth, you, you've seen a lot. Worst you've ever seen? Oh, no question. And I've taken care of infections, every type of infection in the arm. Nine surgeries, I mean, after the first one, I knew I was in an uphill battle. And I'm really proud of both of you for being here talking about this. Number one, obviously this highlights to anyone out there, since we are a medical talk show, don't ignore animal bites. You start to notice swelling, redness. It can turn catastrophic quickly if you don't get it taken care of. Now, I wanna talk about what I would consider to be some of the best parts of this. You performed a surgery that was the first of its kind. Yeah, and in, in the United States, it was the first of its kind, and I think it was the third or fourth in the world to try to get someone or a patient um, to, to move or feel a prosthetic hand. And I'm like, you can't even spell prosthetics, let alone, I've never done the surgery. So I did carpal tunnel surgery and that things. I never took some kind of challenge like this, but and I said, I promise you, I will make you the most advanced amputee this world has ever had. So I, I want to talk really quickly before, what I'm so excited about, and I mean this, you're seeing something for the very first time ever here today. Break it down so our viewers can understand what, what happened here. What the idea of the surgery and what I did was, the nerves that I severed for the amputation, amputation are basically constantly firing. And that's what I think is giving her her phantom pain. And phantom pain is that part it's, of your limb that you have lost, but those nerves that would be there, it, you, it feels like they're there being crushed, it's I painful. I can still feel my hand all the time. As I felt my hand was crushed in a vice 24 hours a day. I said, Melissa, I can, I'm gonna do this surgery. No one's done it in the US, and I'm in a local hospital, and I basically do bread and butter orthopedics. You wanna do it? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And um, at which How point- How nervous were you? Not at all. After being through living, thinking I was gonna die, living Let's 10, 12 this. surgeries, I was like, okay, wow. why not? So we have to take a quick break and when we come back, you're gonna see the future of prosthetics in action for the very first time on national television here on our stage. We'll talk more about how it works, but Melissa's gonna use her thoughts as well as Bluetooth technology, not only to move this futuristic prosthesis, but she will feel as well. Stick around. Coming up, can this groundbreaking device transform an amputee into the bionic woman? That's coming up. Coming tomorrow. Bill Duvall is trying to tackle Ow. his biggest fear. And that's my cue. Then she went from modeling to miserable. Will a wake-up call leave her with no more excuses? Do you really want to do this? That's tomorrow. The raccoon latched onto my arm. I knew he bit me. and I could just feel electricity shooting on my arm. I ended up opening the entire bottom and top of her arm because everywhere I went, you kept seeing more and more bacteria. This was absolutely the worst infection I've seen in my entire career. Dr. Seth said, this is it, I'm sorry, I couldn't save your arm. And I told him, save my life. I said, I can, I can do this. I promise you, Melissa, I will make you the most advanced amputee this world has ever had. We're back with Melissa, who after a groundbreaking surgery has essentially become the most advanced amputee in the world we're also with our orthopedic surgeon, Dr. A.J. Seth. 
And also joining us is Robert Armiger. He is here with Johns Hopkins helping us with this arm. And before we show what is the future, in my opinion, of where we can go with this, tell us how you got Melissa's arm prepared in surgery to even do this. I just took the nerves that she had and rewired them. And I found the one single nerve that goes backwards that gives her feeling in her hand. And I basically transplanted it to right here. And my idea was that it, it would grow the fingers here. And in order to protect those nerves, because they're real tiny. I mean, I used a microscope. Um, I used a, a product called Oxygen. And, and that basically was used to wrap around the nerve to protect it. So her brain, Travis, actually thinks her hand is here now. We've tricked her brain. I feel She's, like it's right at the... So you feel like I your feel hand, like is, my at, hand yeah. is like right at the end of my... So she's so advanced. I mean, she's way too advanced for us. She can feel touch, pressure, cold. When you put an ice cube on her arm, instantly her fingers go cold. And obviously, everyone, the, you're seeing the prosthesis detached right now. But eventually, right. of course, the goal would be this would be attached and used normally in everyday life. So, Robert, this, this is a game changer. It definitely is. I mean, you know, prosthetics technology has been around for hundreds of years. And it isn't until the last 10 um, that we've really been able to see full closed-loop control, both control and touch feedback. Which is so important because otherwise you're clumsy. And, and feeling is probably the most important piece of this that's new, right? The ability to feel. Mm -hmm. So right now what we're going to do is demonstrate something for the first time that I've certainly never seen this. I highly doubt if anyone has ever seen this at home either. Mostly you're going to demonstrate for us the full range of motion that you can get with this, this prosthetic. And she's simply thinking of in her brain. This, again, Melissa is controlling all this, and when you compare this with an old-school prosthesis, the range of motion is so much more significant. Just so everyone out there knows that there's no gimmickry here. This sense of touch, obviously, you could fake it by seeing. Are you okay if I put this? Sure. So let's start the demo here. All right, so on the ends of her fingers are little sensors, and so what I'm going to do is Melissa, you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, I'm gonna push on a thumb, middle, ring. You passed with flying colors. <laughs> oh, wow. The biggest thing is by her being able to feel, she actually knows when to stop closing her hand. Uh, an amputee out there with just a regular arm, because that's all that's in the market, it's hard to hold somebody or shake somebody's hand because if you're looking away, you can actually crush their hand. So by her being able to feel, we've given her the ability to hold her hand, husband's hand again and know that. I mean, to me, that's huge. Thank you, my husband. Shout out to my husband. All right, Melissa, when you feel the cup, go ahead and close your hand. Keep going. There you go. I just want to remind everyone what is so cool about this is that Melissa is doing all of this. And we've also taken away all the elements of external yeah. devices. This is all coming from her thoughts, guiding her new hand, so much to the point where I can come up to you and say, how's your day? How's your day, Melissa? <laughs> we can fist bump. This is truly remarkable. So many people are going to benefit from this amazing technology. We'll have more information on our website. Also, how you can help fund research on this project at our website, thedoctorstv.com. Robert, to your entire team at Johns Hopkins.
God said. And Melissa, to you who, I know you never expected that day you went out in the yard and had a raccoon bite that you were gonna end up being on the stage, but yep. you're the brave one who volunteered to do this, so thank you. Thank you, you. Well, thank you for having me. Truly amazing stuff, folks. Wanna come after the break. Coming up, why your PJs are dirtier than a toilet. It, it, it happens. Then, can a light box boost your sex drive? I don't have to listen to this. That's coming up. Closed captioning provided by. Everyone knows a bathroom can get a little dirty. The toilet seat, kind of the gold standard for yuck. But you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna play a little something we call, is it dirtier than a toilet seat? Starting with carpet. So, what do you all think? Is it dirtier than a toilet? Yes. Pretty much everyone unanimously is saying yes. Well, what if I said that <laughs> there are 700 times more bacteria on your carpet as compared to your toilet seat? <laughs> <laughs> it's not as though you lay on the carpet and you're going to get deathly ill. Right, exactly. But people do have to realize when you're laying on the carpet, you're slobbering, you're kind of, you know, which I've seen plenty of people do. Um, there is a lot of bacteria there. The, the way to go about it, just vacuum in at least once a week. Always, I, I say steam clean at least once a year. Exactly, exactly. Now, do you wear pajamas? I wear pajamas. I Drew, do, do you? Oh. Be honest. Yeah, well, be I, honest. I start oh, off. Honest. I start off with my pajamas, then. Okay. All right. Dirtier are pajamas dirtier than your toilet seat? I hope not. No. Really? When's the last time you washed your pajamas? Right. A lot of people. Oh, a couple weeks Weekly. ago. Most pajamas are dirtier than your toilet. There was a study done. Very scientific. Yes. <laughs> People wear PJs on average for more than two weeks before well, washing. But you know what? They said that women are actually worse than men. They said women don't wash their pajamas for like 17 nights. Like, real, we gotta do better. We gotta do better. I feel like we should have a meeting and talk about it. And then right. it should be a rematch in six months. And like. That's crazy. Well, because the amount of, uh, in this study, right, the amount of E. coli that ends up in your pajamas, it's not as though E. coli, which of course we know is predominant in feces, you know, you're wearing your PJs, it, it, it happens. Is, well, then, for those who don't wear PJs, what does that say about your sheets? <laughs> well, there's you had a sheet, I would throw it in the toilet because okay, it's gonna, dirtier than a toilet, We're going to revisit Drew. that subject. This one is so perplexing. Is your washing machine dirtier than your toilet? Yes or no? Yes. Yes? No? Yes. If I had a washing machine, I would put it in the toilet and flush it because, yes, it's dirtier than your toilet. <laughs> Nothing safe. Nothing safe. I mean... Well, okay, so this one's pretty easy if you think about it. What do you put in your washing machine? Dirty clothes. Right. Those funky Underwear. pajamas. Those funky With pajamas. the E. coli just spinning around in there. If you don't let that washing machine fully dry out, and I would say occasionally use hot water um, with a little bleach yes. in there. Yeah. Maybe once a month to kill it all off. 
But, and then once it goes through the dryer, though, then it, I think it kills. Doesn't it? Doesn't do as as much as you think. No. No. Well, here's the good news. The takeaway is this. New pajamas every day. What no, no. The, the takeaway is actually this. We're a little too fastidious about being cleanly. And these bacteria, for the most part, most of it's just friendly bacteria. They don't do any harm. But it, it's a nice takeaway is sometimes these things we think are so benign. And you're right. We won't. Well, heck no, I'm not going to sit on their toilet and use the restroom. It's better to just use the restroom because there are a lot of other things you're touching that are dirtier than a toilet. We'll be right back. Coming up. Fast food doesn't have to be unhealthy food. Your guide to making healthy meals in mere seconds. Then, a doctor's prescription to avoid freezer burn. That's coming up. Here's what's breaking in today's news in two. Leo's on a mission and he's not pulling any punches. Plus, an Austin Powers star breaks his silence about a near-death experience. Closed captioning provided by Are you forgetting breakfast in your rush to get out the door, just skipping it all together? I want you to stop doing that. And our next guest says you don't have to skip it because it can be so very easy. Please welcome the author of Clean and Hungry or the Clean and Hungry Cookbook, Lisa Lillian. Welcome back, Lisa. Thank you. What I like about your approach to eating is you can eat healthy and you can do it in a hurry. Sometimes it's just, sometimes you just need a quickie. You, sometimes you do, you said it best, Travis. I mean, the truth is people make excuses and they say that they don't have time to eat healthy food. And one of the things I like to do is prove people wrong. So let's prove them wrong, starting with, where are we gonna start We're here? We're starting there. Okay, what do okay. we have? That's pumpkin pie overnight oats. They prepare themselves overnight. So basically the night before you throw some ingredients into a mason, mason jar or into a to-go container and it's something like this, something like okay. that. But if you want to take it in the car, it can be plastic. It's that easy. So for this recipe, it uses oats and it uses Greek yogurt. Fat this free, is it, Greek, right? That's is, it. Okay. Just dig in. Chia seeds, pumpkin, pumpkin pie spice, a little bit of almond milk. It tastes like a Thanksgiving pie. This is really good. It's good. And throw some this almonds is... on top. That's what's meant to top off there. And oh that has goodness. less than 250 calories. So this has a lot of fiber, almost 10 Very grams of satisfying. fiber. Very satisfying. 18 grams of protein, so you get your protein, which is really satisfying. And the chia seeds make it nice and thick and add texture to it. This is a total home run. I will make this. It literally takes three minutes at night and then six minutes overnight, and it's done in the morning. You will not now be disappointed. All right, what's next? <laughs> okay, next is an egg mug. So you throw your eggs in a mug with any veggies that you have around, any cheese. This is a portobello blue egg mug. So it's got spinach, it's got portobello mushrooms, minced onion, egg whites, some You had me cheese. at blue cheese, so. Dig I'm, into that. Because and, and I will say this, I use the microwave for eggs all the time. It's, it takes a minute. And you don't have to worry about the skillet. You don't have to worry about turning the stove on. No, the cleanup is pretty much, there is no cleanup. This has about 167 calories or so. You can put it on a little bun. You could just eat it out of the cup. You can have it with a little bit of fruit. There's so much you know so that this is the do. first time in my life I've had blue cheese on eggs? I didn't know that you could do this. This is life-changing. I use blue cheese on salads and things like that, but... Oh, it's amazing with the minced onion and with the spinach and mushrooms. It's awesome. Last but not least, what's going on over that, here? That, well, you're gonna taste a peanut butter smoothie that I just love. It has 160 calories. It has a lot of protein. 
It's a, I mean, it, it, it's a peanut butter smoothie. And this is good. It's a peanut butter smoothie that doesn't actually have any peanut butter in it. And peanut butter is great, but when you get a smoothie when you're out, a lot of times they put in like four tablespoons of peanut butter, which is 400 calories just for the peanut butter alone. So this uses what, I, it's like America's best kept secret, powdered peanut butter. And it has a fraction of the calories of peanut butter and all the flavor of peanut butter. And so these are all things you can fire up in what? 30 seconds? The, uh, right literally here, like maybe two or three minute minutes. Yeah, you want your bananas to be frozen. So freeze, keep some sliced frozen bananas in the freezer. And the bananas add texture. It is so easy. And you get so much for 160 calories. Lisa, I, I love the fact that you make these quick, easy recipes. And I'm telling you, you all are going to love this. And you get the chance to try out these recipes because everyone's going home with the clean and hungry cookbook. <laughs> We'll have some recipes on our website. Lisa, thank you so very much. Stick around, everyone. Coming up, can a light box boost your sex drive? I don't have to listen to this. Plus, everyone at home has a chance to enter to win the Word of the Day giveaway. Find out what it is. That's coming up. The following program contains mature subject matter. Viewer discretion is advised. For you men out there with a low libido, you're in luck. I don't have to listen to this. I don't have, I, it doesn't pertain to me. No. Okay, big guy. Okay. Big talker over there. <laughs> but this is very interesting. New research suggests that men with low testosterone levels and low libido can be helped by this. This is a light box, very similar to the one that you'll see people use who have seasonal affective disorder. Study took men with sexual arousal disorder, which is in general a lack of interest in sex. Half sat in front of the light box for 30 minutes in the morning. The other half sat in front of significantly less light. What, what happened was the light worked. This is shocking. So, Hey, I'm not mad at it. In the light box group, sex drive went from a 2 out of 10 to a 6.3 out of 10. Really? Ladies, I'm just saying. <laughs> My question for you two is, do you think this is because we know sexual arousal disorder or low libido, it can be tied into low testosterone levels, but it also uh -huh. can be tied into your mood. And we know with seasonal affective disorder that good quality light can improve your mood. When you're in a better mood, you're not only probably producing more testosterone, but you are going to be more inclined to be aroused. I, 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 think, yeah. I think it's more a mood elevator. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't just elevate mood, though, Drew. <laughs> the nice thing about it is it's not a pill. It's nothing medical. It's light. Oh, What's the worst that could happen? It's light. So it can't hurt to spend some time shining that light on your face. In his case, all over. That's right. Face is the word of the day. Go to our website, thedoctorstv.com, and enter the word face for your chance to win the contour Intelli Pillow by IntelliBed with Intelli Gel technology and Maloof bamboo sheets for a soft and cool night's sleep. I love bamboo sheets. This is valued at $450. So we'll be right back, but not until you all go home with it and enjoy. Coming up, a doctor's prescription to avoid freezer burn. That's coming up.
Here's what's breaking in today's news in two. Leo's on a mission and he's not pulling any punches. Plus, an Austin Powers star breaks his silence about a near-death experience. Closed captioning provided by... If you're ready to win big, join us here in our studio audience at The Doctors. You can be part of our Word of the Day giveaway. So log on to our website at thedoctorstv.com or call us at area code 323-THE-DOCS. That's 323-THE-DOCS for show tickets. Stay in the know. It is our Doctors News in 2. They call it cradle death. Um, and all you need is, you know, oxygen for a little while, but we were Amish at the time. So we didn't have a, a, a way to get to the hospital quick enough. Luckily, you know, I had an aunt that had already switched and she took me to the hospital in her car. On this Saturday's Oprah, Where Are They Now? Austin Power star Vern Troyer opens up for the first time about his near-death experience at just two months old. I was all blue and he lifted up the blanket and my shirt and my whole chest was caved in. The doctor said that you can hold him for as long as you can, but we can't do anything for him. And my dad wouldn't take that. Leonardo DiCaprio has turned in Oscar-worthy performances, but his passion for climate change awareness may become the actor's legacy. The U.S. has been the biggest emitter of greenhouse gases in history. This is the most important issue of our time. Question is, can we change our course in time? In the new documentary, Before the Flood, produced by DiCaprio, the actor seeks to engage the world in a conversation about a topic that is often ignored. We've known about this for decades, for over half a century. Try to have a conversation with anyone about climate change, people just tune out. Half the people in office still don't believe in climate change. Why do you think there is such opposition about the science? Before the Flood will air globally on the National Geographic Channel on October 30th. The world is now watching. We ask you to protect it. Are we and all living things we cherish our history? That's today's News in 2. You want to know how to avoid getting freezer burn on your meat? <laughs> Don't put it in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or you can do this trick. Okay. Freezer burns happen when your food that is being frozen is exposed to too much air. So what you have to do is put your meat in a little plastic sealable bag like you're seeing here. Fill up your sink or a large bowl with water. Like you're seeing in the video, you submerge that bag in the water while leaving a small little opening. That pressure from the water will push that air right out, giving you a nice, tightly sealed bag ready for freezing. Sans freezer burn. It is as simple as that. Dr. Landry, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. We'll see you next time, everyone. Awesome job.